Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dear Asian Girl, a podcast for Asian girls by Asian girls. I'm Dana here today with... Hi, guys. It's Isabel. My pronouns are they, she. I'm Vietnamese, Burmese, and based in Boston, Massachusetts. My pronouns are she, her. Um, For those of you who are new listeners, I uh, am born and raised in California, currently in Singapore. I am Indian, specifically Punjabi. And today, this is on an episode of our food season where we're going to be discussing the intricacies, the backgrounds and histories of Asian food and cuisine and drinks and beverages and whatnot. Today's episode is going to celebrate, tell the stories of, and cherish our love of tea. For centuries across the world, tea has been a beloved drink among various different communities. However, the origin of tea dates back thousands of years ago, with an ancient Chinese myth on how tea accidentally came to be. According to legend, the story of tea begins with an emperor named Shen Nong. Emperor Nong was famous for his extensive knowledge and love for herbs, agriculture, and plants. One day, as his water is being boiled in the garden, a leaf from a nearby plant fell into his pot. Out of curiosity, he decided to taste the resulting brew and found it to be soothing and refreshing. This is believed to be the birth of tea. It wasn't until the Tang Dynasty in the 7th century where tea began to gain prominence in Chinese culture. At this point, tea was enjoyed by people of all classes. It was used as a form of currency and it was bartered for other valuable commodities. Through this trade and this bartering, tea started to make its way into cultures of other East Asian regions. For instance, Buddhist monks who journeyed from China to Japan introduced tea drinks to the Japanese. As a result, tea practices proliferated around the country, starting the 15th century. It evolved under the philosophies of Zen Buddhism, which places great emphasis on respecting the practice of tea brewing. In ceremonies, values such as harmony, purity, respect, and tranquility were honored as essential elements of Zen philosophy. In fact, some Japanese homes even had special tea rooms built into the backyard gardens for the sole purpose. These rooms were designed to create a sense of calmness, and it allowed the guests to fully immerse themselves in the tea-making process. It was specifically expected that the women would carry out this process with the utmost respect as well as grace. This would contrast other tea ceremonies in different regions, such as Russia, where it is much less of a formal procedure. Russian tea ceremonies were more of a casual time for family and friends to enjoy one another's company where they will gather around a table with teapots placed in the center and will create tea using loose tea leaves, never with tea bags. Tea continued to travel, and a century later, Dutch and Portuguese traders brought tea to Europe. The British East India Company was a prominent factor in the popularity of tea in Britain. After the first shipment arrived in 1660, tea started to be widely consumed in Britain. Eventually, British colonists brought their tea drinks to India, However, tea consumption in India has a much, much richer history long before colonial times. In the 12th century, indigenous people in India would drink tea using wild plants from the northeastern state of Assam, especially for its health benefits. They would pack dried and toasted leaves into bamboo canes and would smoke those in order to make the tea. 
Centuries later, when industrial tea production was creating conflict between Britain and China, the British started to build tea plantations in Assam, where the Assamese people strongly disapproved of because of the detrimental impacts on the forests, as well as the horrible working conditions for those who were hired as indentured laborers. In fact, before the Great Depression in the 1900s, Indians would barely drink tea as a form of protest. Tea became part of a nationalist desire for independence and was part of a much larger movement to push back against colonization, which included rejecting British goods. However, over time, Indians created their own specialized, more traditional techniques for making tea, specifically called chai. The way in which chai is made is not the same as the way British styles of tea are made. And similarly, other regions in Asia have their unique brewing techniques as well. Iran has a very rich tea culture, and in fact, Iranians are known for their heavy tea consumption. Some parallels can be seen with how Iranians and Afghans traditionally serve their tea. Iranian tea is usually black, with or without the infusion of cardamom, with no milk added. Iranians may consume these sugar cubes, called gand, by putting them in the side of the cheeks while drinking the tea to make it more sweet. Sometimes they may also add saffron rock candy called nabat, or Iranian sweets like shirini, like dates, baklava, etc. Tea can be consumed throughout the day during breakfast, the afternoon, nighttime, and it's seen as a hospitable thing to offer to guests at social gatherings or parties. Similarly, in Afghanistan, tea also plays a role in the hospitality customs. It would be seen as offensive not to offer tea to their guests. And additionally, Afghans also don't put milk in their tea, and they also spice it with cardamom or cloves or other spices. And they don't add sugar directly, but instead also suck on a sugar cube. These are just a few out of the numerous ways that tea can be enjoyed by people all over the world, and how it is available in countless varieties and flavors. Everyone comes to school with their, either, there's two different drinks. So, like, in Boston, like, there's heavy, like, Dunkin' Donuts culture, like, did you have you ever had Dunkin' like in California? Yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of Dunkin' Donuts in California. I've never had their coffee, um, but now it's just Krispy Kreme in my life because Singapore doesn't have any Dunkins. Okay, so at Dunkin', there's like two drinks people get. So e- either people get like a medium iced coffee with like oat milk or whatever, like like nut milk or whatever, or people get the strawberry acai refresher. <laughs> <laughs> which is like I think it's like tea with like ca- like with like more caffeine in it but I feel like I've never like veered towards the like tea refresher like only in the summer I'll get like a tea from maybe Starbucks or something but mm-hmm. I've never I think I I know that coffee has always been like I can always get an iced coffee and I know it'll taste good or whatever but I've yeah. never like been like oh I really want like a tea like every day it's always been like on a hot day I want iced tea I don't know about you yeah I don't remember like living in the states and having any cravings for tea it was always just like coffee was just something you naturally gravitate towards because it's also just something that like is relatable at the end of the day like um I just remember like oh god when like Emma Chamberlain was popular and like she was like, <laughs> like her coffee brand like that was just the height of like iced coffee and just coming to school with like your iced coffee and it'd be just yeah, being yeah. like it's that kind of day you know and, like everyone just like sort of like, laughs it's like joke. yeah it's like coffee is like an excess like your iced coffee or your coffee is like an accessory almost like it is it is because mm-hmm. I see people like 
I'm very much like I'm like a like I drink my coffee so fast like after first period at school my coffee's like already gone but some people they don't they take like a couple sips and they just carry it around the whole Mm day and it has to come with the logo yeah 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 and it like is just watered down but they still carry it around because it's such like an accessory or like almost a symbol of like oh I'm like I have this I don't know Mm -hmm. no it feels like a staple for sure you're not going to see anyone like walking around starting with their tea for sure but I I think definitely drank a lot more tea after moving here but what were you going to say well like I in actually freshman year this is crazy but I used to bring a water bottle a coffee mug and a tea mug like I was crazy but where do you fit that? I would carry all of it. I looked so stupid. Yeah, <laughs> so I looked so stupid. Because I would drink my tea, like, the first two periods of the day. And then I would, like, start my coffee, <laughs> like, halfway through the day. You had a whole routine. This is, like, you preparing for the apocalypse. Like, every single resource exactly. is available to you. Yeah, but I would always drink green tea. Yeah. So, like, I I will always gravitate towards, like, green tea or, like, matcha. Mm-hmm. I, like, don't really like other types of tea. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, matcha had a lot of, like, it gained a lot of popularity in the U.S. at least. Like, it's kind of like the whole boba phenomenon where, like, suddenly all these matcha stores, at least, like, not that they just popped out, like, of nowhere, like, just came into existence. They were probably always there, but, like, just gained a lot more, like, popularity or media coverage I feel like um but I've always been like a green tea person for a Mm -hmm. long time and then after um I don't know becoming more of a tea person I guess here um it's like black tea which sounds so boring honestly but like black I feel like tea is just so simplistic that like I don't feel the need to add flair even though I probably could well I feel like the tea like when I've been to Asia like the tea the tea quality in Asia is just so much better yeah like here I feel like I need to get like the flavor like I need the peach I need the strawberry like (laughs) flavoring because Mm -hmm. the tea is so like weak that like you don't even taste it you want like (laughs) some other flavor because if you just drink the tea it would actually just taste like dirty water like oh (laughs) yeah no I see what you mean there yeah I don't know I think also with coffee like we were talking earlier about how like it's almost a social form of messaging and like a statement to bring your coffee to school but like according to research coffee is like much more isolating in a way like you hear the phrase often said a lot by like Americans for example um I don't know, like don't talk to me like I haven't had a coffee yet or like when you are drinking your coffee it's like you deciding you're gonna have a very hustle fill a day like you're gonna subscribe to like hustle culture and have a very like productive work setting for yourself you know and then with tea, the way people describe it is that it's sort of a medium to communicate with people, to like sit down and have a very like relaxing, engaging interaction with people. So I don't know, it's just kind of an interesting contrast. Yeah, and I feel like people are will always like drink coffee for like the late, what is it, what's that phrase? Like the late night, like burning the late night oil or whatever. Yeah, burning um, the candle up again, something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be and, my night tonight. So, yeah, so it's like, I feel like it's so associated with this, like, you know, twenty four hour, like you said, like the hustle culture, like twenty four hour, tre- like treadmill of you're just always going, 
and I mean in in my own life I've realized that like coffee actually played like a negative role in like increasing my anxiety about certain things and like I had I had I stopped drinking coffee because like it was making me so like hyper aware of everything that was going on when I really just needed to like take a back seat in my life and just evaluate everything as it came and like be more present I feel like tea is like that almost like the opposite of coffee in the sense that where you were talking about how it brings people together and you're really in the moment with those people while you're serving tea or while you're sharing conversation over tea. And I think just the delicacy of tea cultures in general is so like beautiful as well. Like the way you can like have such intricate patterns and like all the designs of like teacups, for example, or teapots. I think, I mean, I honestly don't even know much about like if there's like an ancient culture to coffee that's as rich as the ancient culture of tea. But I feel like the tea is so much more like Expensiveness to it. This is much more peaceful, like which is what you were describing. And I can attest to the fact that, like, I've seen you like on days where you've drinking, you've drunk coffee, and like you're like much more anxiety ridden. You're like kind of like bouncing off the walls. Yeah, 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 totally. So I, I've seen it in action, so I can attest to that. People. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I've also just kind of gone to the point where, like, on the days I do ingest coffee, I feel like it's gone to the point where it does nothing for me. And apparently that's, like, a side effect of, like, drinking too much caffeine. You start to, like, feel normal and it'll just crash early in the day, which is counterintuitive. But um, on the days where I'm drinking tea in the morning, I just feel much more productive because, like, like in this episode, we'll talk later on about, like, the different benefits that different teas will have. And truly, it does, like, really wake you up. Like, and because, like, personally, I just only drink hot tea. Like, I cannot stand cold tea. It just feels weird in my mouth. I don't know. It's just me personally. Like drinking hot tea that's like still like having steam come out of it and like feeling it sort of go down your throat has been very like it's just a very pleasant experience that like I look forward to when I wake up and I just like rely on it to like naturally wake me up and like get myself like ready for the day you know so do you drink like if do you drink milk tea like like when you get boba or something because lactose intolerance is a hardcore person Wait, so you don't drink, like, milk tea? Well, I do. If I'm with friends and, like, we're going on a boba run, I'm not going to say no to milk tea. Um, So I do have milk tea maybe, like, once a week. But on a daily basis in the mornings, I do drink tea every day. Yeah. No, because I recently, I haven't been able to, like, get milk tea because, it, like, like the lactose intolerance is, like, hitting. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, I can't be, like, drinking that all the time. And it's, like, a lot of milk, too. So I'm, like, Ugh. Yeah. It's yeah, very concentrated. So- which is ironic because I think Asians are, it's quite common for like groups of Asians to have like lactose intolerance. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been veering more towards like the fruit flavored teas or like other stuff. But I also feel like tea doesn't, when I get tea, I don't associate it with like giving me an energy boost. When I went to get boba the other day, like, and I got a tea, I didn't think it was going to like give me a boost besides like maybe the sugar. Yeah. And I think that was, that's such a, healthier mindset for me because when I used to go to drink coffee it would be solely to either like get energy or like because I wanted to like taste coffee which is like fine I think like and now I just drink decaf but like I'm seeking coffee for like this this means of like energy or like something that I like need to like add to my life almost 
rather and than feels- just like enjoying and- it to enjoy it yeah it's like an unnatural source as well and like when I think about tea it feels like very natural like it's literally yeah, yeah. tea that's like like water that is being like quote-unquote flavored yeah yeah quote-unquote, like, um I guess like altered by like leaves like uh-huh. parts of the trees parts of the earth so it just like, feels more natural and more like I don't know like just more like natural like more earthly in general so like I don't know like I've been thinking a lot about how like like I was talking about this with my friends the other day how like obviously like, how, it's not and under like it's quite the understatement to say like our world has changed since like primitive times, right? When we like <laughs> walk the earth. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Basically the same thing with how like technology's made everything so fast paced and how we as humans like we're not naturally like designed or like meant to have such like large pieces of big data thrown at us, have such large like or at least like fast paced um routines throughout our day. And I feel like coffee is sort of like pushing us towards that like unnatural side of like going about our day where we're just very like unnaturally rapid and like almost hyperactive i think tea like allows us to like slow down and be a bit more closer to what we're like meant to be as human beings like the way we're just like even genetically like programmed quote unquote you know so i feel like more in at home even in my own body when i'm like drinking tea which is very dramatic but yeah and like that made me think about how like this conversation was making me think about how a lot of companies like I think of like Panera Panera Bread Panera Bread yo Panera Bread is so good like it's walking distance from my old school and I miss it oh, so really much. yeah okay well so old maybe you school. know like they have this thing called like supercharged lemonade yeah so it's like lemonade with caffeine in it and like this conversation was making me think about like how the advertising for caffeine has been like like extra almost like everything or like a lot of companies have like so much advertising for like oh this is like a drink you like but with caffeine and Mm -hmm. like they're advertising it as a positive thing where like caffeine does like affect like the way you act and the like caffeine is like a drug and Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to affect the way you, like, live and your sleep schedule and stuff like that, which is, like, I mean, there is, like, definitely danger in that, but it also highlights that people are willing to buy these drinks for that boost or, like, for that added, like, quote-unquote benefit, which I think is really interesting. It almost makes me wonder, like, how, like, if our reliance on coffee and caffeine is really, like, an actual need for us to be awake more th- during the day like obviously like as people like especially with like very busy lives with like a lot of demands in our life there's always going to be some sort of feeling like the 24 hours is never enough but I'm wondering if like we weren't navigating throughout the world like in this like 21st century if we weren't constantly giving these messages from these advertisements that are like you need this coffee we have the benefits of coffee we have caffeine that we can offer you and you're going to feel like x y and z benefits like I'm wondering if we didn't had that exposure we would be able to feel like less inclined or like dependent on coffee you know so I'm wondering if like there's some cleanse that yeah you know what I mean because like advertising could definitely psychologically influence you again another understatement so and then with that Emma Chamberlain thing that you were talking about earlier like (laughs) yeah sorry I'm like still on that like she made I mean coffee is is already has been mainstream for a long time 
But I think she brought that coffee to a younger audience, which, like, before, when I was, like, 12, my, like, older people in my life would be like, oh, like, you shouldn't drink coffee because you'll be, like, short or whatever. Or, like, they did people tell you that? Like, people were always like, oh, Isabel, like, if you drink coffee, like, you're not, it's going to stunt your growth. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Like, coffee's so normalized. I forgot about all the negative things people would say. But now I feel like so many younger people are consuming caffeine because it's so much more normalized now. And I mean, obviously I got older, so I don't know how the conversation has changed, but I see a lot, a lot more younger people like drinking coffee or like consuming like, like energy drinks, for example. Um, And I don't know if that's because it's become like more influencers are advertising their own coffee companies like Emma Chamberlain or like what that conversation looks like but it's it's not it's kind of scary thinking like it's becoming so normal for everyone to consume like like varying levels of caffeine that we aren't normally supposed to consume you know that whole like conversation where it's like um the current generation like Gen Z or whatever the generation after us is isn't it like alpha Gen Gen alpha but like alpha like what I mean like but like what else would it be though because I don't know it's not my decision so I'm fine but um I was saying that like there's just a, a general c- consensus that like generation c has grown up considerably faster than previous generations like generation y x yeah. etc they got to mature at a much later age and I remember talking to my dad about this I don't know if this is like a collective or like common experience for generation y but he was sharing how like he only drank coffee when he was in like his early 20s rather than, like, a lot of teenagers nowadays are very reliant on, on coffee, and, like, yeah. started much earlier compared to, like, adults or, like, college students who only start then because of, like, working habits and, like, the culture of a workplace. So yeah. I wonder if that has something to do with, like, the fact that as a younger generation, like, in 2023, in the 2020s, like, we have so much more access to, like, influencers, like, Emma Chamberlain or, like, just any sort of advertising like that, which, like, I don't know, maybe it played a role. Like, I would love to see some research on that. Yeah, and, like, I think hustle, hustle culture has also trickled more towards young people as well, mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, you see a lot more young people, like, adolescents, teenagers, like, starting their own businesses as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, And maybe that might play a role in, like, that trickling down of, like, coffee, like, more young people consuming coffee. I think also the culture around, like, especially in the United States, like college admissions has gotten a lot uh, more stressful for a a lot of individuals. And like that kind of hustle culture and trying to like always add more to your plate that might play a role in the amount of coffee or the amount of caffeine that's being consumed. Again, with like the theme of being sort of unnatural or sort of like um, quote unquote artificial, not that coffee has to be like an unnatural drink I think the way it's just treated by like a large or like mainstream group of people is um what's it called unnatural like even the way that people will try to do these businesses or create these opportunities there's a good chunk of people who do that solely for college admissions without like a lack of actual like care for like whatever they're working towards um no you just made me think of my friend not that he like doesn't have a care like he doesn't um actually care about like his cause I think he's like raising money from a charity I forget what but he's selling like um granola at my school and it's been okay. a huge amount in my grade like he um has like different brands and he like 
cooks the granola he like packages it himself and like like I don't know it's like it's really great and like I can attest to his granola being like superb like it tastes superb <laughs> it was like 11 Singapore dollars but I was happy to pay that I was like you know what that is a steal and um no but it just made me think of like how yeah again like the maturity there's like a lot of like new like like our current youth or whatever is much more actively involved and like much more hands-on and I don't know I think also with the fact that like you can see like on TikTok for example like there's a plethora of people who you see are doing amazing amazing work like like yeah cancel cancel cancer research or like creating these organizations creating these businesses at the ripe age of like 14 Uh uh-huh it's crazy it's crazy yeah and like it's so much like larger scale that I feel like coffee is almost a way for us to like try to catch up with like the rest of the world you know but and that makes me think of like I I guess I'm gonna call it like the before times like before like social media and stuff like like prehistoric times yeah (laughs) well I was literally bored with like I don't know we were bored like in an internet age well not really like kind of but the age of digitalization and whatnot yeah like well it makes me okay so it makes me question before (laughs) before the before times so before social media and like the widespread use of social media were people still like people were still doing this stuff but I think maybe at a smaller scale but also like social media has inspired other people to start their own stuff and like encourage other people to start their own businesses you know do do their own research and stuff like that which is I think really great because I think it shows that you could do it too but also it creates this culture of like if you're not doing it like what are you doing with your life like it creates this I don't know exclusion maybe like imposter syndrome type of type of vibe where if you're not going out and researching you know doing cancer research like you're not doing anything with your life or at least maybe that's how I felt like especially going through high school it's quite yeah it's quite the like American perspective to like equate your self-worth with like um the productivity levels of that you like, contribute to like how much effort or like like um creative ideas or like um entrepreneurship you're showcasing yeah, yeah. speaking of entrepreneurship today we will be speaking with maggie shre who is the founder and ceo of us2t so us2t is it prides itself on celebrating the connections and the bonds we make with drinking tea and tea sharing in the tea cultures in asian traditions so, Ramu, can you share a bit more about the philosophy and the goals of S2T and, yeah, how you'd like to introduce it to our audience? Yeah, thank you for having me here. I also go um, with Maggie, so feel free to call me Maggie as well. So uh, for those of uh, for those of people who don't know about S2T, um, I started like in 2019 with the mission to make Asian tea culture more accessible to the people in the U.S. So uh, the name behind us two means the two of us. So in Asian culture, we always like, you know, greeting our guests and friends with a cup of tea, kind of like, oh, let's go get tea together. Like kind of like how 
coffee influential people here. So um, I want to make this brand more fun and for the next generation of tea drinkers and also just make it more accessible. So that's why it's called Us to Tea. Wow. So I one of my core memories as a kid is when my friends would come over with their parents. My mom would already have like a tea set and these two teacups already ready for our guests to come over. And on your website, it says that us two tea is meant to be a reflection of the Asian American experience. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So like if you can see, um, I used to be a graphic designer, so I actually designed all the branding. So if you can see um, our branding color and the voice and the messages, uh, it's not very traditional, like kind of like how you can associate with like the traditional, like, you know, Chinese culture, for example, is like a lot of red or like various traditional patterns. So um, the reason why it's like a reflection of Asian American experience is because I I'm a mix of like Asian and Western culture and I'm not super traditional at all. Like I'm not like, you know, passive. I don't listen to my parents. I, you know, kind of like quit my job, start this like business. So it's not the traditional route that you will think as like an Asian American. And I think that's the second generation, the third generations of that makes who we are, you know, we're the combination of the West and Eastern culture. So um, that's why, like, you know, us to tease branding and like messaging is very vocal and like uh, in a calm sense, kind of like, you know, inherited the traditional Asian um, culture, but also is very loud in their, uh, in our messaging. Like we don't want to fit in. We want to stand out. So that's really um, the messaging behind the branding. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful because often with Asian Americans, they feel the need to like navigate the world in a very silent manner in a very, they don't want to make anyone just uncomfortable or make anything create change or, you know, make any rifts. So I think that's really important. And we've actually talked about this previously on the podcast. We had an episode called um, A Third Identity or A Third World or A Third Space. And I think that's the perfect way to encapsulate how there's no like any Play, and there's no like specific country in the world that like can truly understand totally the Asian American experience. I feel like to be part of the community, it's very niche and hard to grasp. Like me personally, growing up in California and then moving to Singapore, I feel like I can't really pinpoint a time in my life where I felt like, yes, it totally encapsulated that experience. So it's very niche, like you said, and I think us uh, 2 deserves a lot of credit for bringing attention to that. So uh, you mentioned a bit about the the sort of intersection you have with Chinese culture as well as Western culture. So we, I remember I was listening to a podcast you were on, um, it was Inspired Many, and you were talking a bit about how your mother's generation, how there wasn't initially a lot of Western influences, but there was a lot of history going on at the time, a lot of changes occurring where China was becoming more exposed to those Western influences and how I feel like there's been a lot of interaction between that as between then and now. So can you describe a bit about what that time was like for your mother's generation, how that sort of interaction played out? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So just give everyone a little bit personal background about myself. So I actually grew up in Shanghai, like mainland China. And uh, um, I think that was like, you know, 20 years ago, um, China was still like is still at this day is a developing country. So um, the economy grew really, really fast, but there's also a lot of like downside that comes with this. For example, you know, like 
we produce massive like productions, but sometimes it's cheap and also it's not like really high premium quality. I think um, for my mom, mother's generation, what they are trying to do is really to just like be comfortable material wise to make more money, you know, like kind of like grow from middle class to kind of like middle upper class to upper class. So that's like their focus. Um, but I think we have the leverage as like, you know, the second generation, especially um, my mom sent me to uh, college here in the States. For me that like I learned about like marketing, branding and like, you know, the cultural elements of that. And, you know, more, more importantly, like I have the cultural confidence because I growing like I grew up in China and everyone looks like me. So I never encountered any like I didn't know what racism means. So like not until like, you know, after I moved to New York, like when I'm in my late 20s. So like I think that there's like a mis um connect between the last generation and this generation so but I think like because we're exposed to the western world and there's like a lot more like philosophy that we can follow not just like you know uh, success doesn't only means that how much money you make but what's your purpose and like you know what fulfill you what can you change or bring to the world so for our generation especially for me I think um, I really just want to change that image to really also like you know like to inspire other like uh, young people in China to to really be culturally confident about who they are and really change that um kind of like assumption of like you know cheap products are made in China because it's not true it's totally not true so I think we have the chance and that's like really where S2T comes in yeah yeah and given the chance to provide that quality and that extra oomph, if you will, and specifically as an Asian American living away from your motherland, how does tea help you connect to your culture? Yeah, so um, I I always bring tea back from China, like all the time, whenever I visit a home. And whenever I have friends come over, um, I will always brew tea. And also, I just drink tea all the time. Like, I drink water. I think I drink more tea than water each day. And it's kind of like, because I'm drinking a couple of like tea right now. And it just kind of reminds me of my grandpa or like my family. It feels like, you know, they're here with me because it's like a daily ritual that we do every day to drink tea together after dinner. Um, so I think it's, it's like, are those little things like you know the flavor and the smell that reminds you of someone. And that is the tie for me and tea. On the note, actually, I'm recently recovering from a flu. And honestly, the thing that was keeping me sane when I was like coughing and experiencing like all this phlegm was drinking tea. And actually with researching for this episode, researching to discuss more about tea, I learned about the benefits of the osmathus flower, the oolong flower that's in Taiwan and how that helps to like clear up the congestion and the phlegm. So I was really wish I could have some of the tea, mainly on mornings. I like to drink um, black tea or green tea, which is honestly more popular in the West as well. Even as I'm here in Singapore, it's more popular in the West and I continue to drink it here. But even in the mornings, like I feel like I can't really go about my day unless I feel like the really warm sensation of it, like going down my throat. Like personally, I really can only have my tea very like warm and piping hot. So I like to feel like going down my throat and like the sensation of it traveling down, you know. So that's just yeah. like something I have really fond memories of. Even as a child, I like remember feeling like much more happier and much more like calmer and soothed throughout the day if I like 
remember and can recall that like sensation of it going down you know thank you for sharing that about how it helps you connect to your grandpa more and it feels like more reminiscent of your family traditions and and your life so live in the in the u.s um there's a lot of centered culture on coffee and coffee is like a very major component and i feel like it's very contradictory to what the concept and the culture of tea presents because with coffee it's almost like like I read this in an article, someone described it as injecting human gasoline into your system because the way you hear Americans talk about coffee, it's like, don't even talk to me unless I have my morning coffee. I need my coffee to survive, to like thrive, to work. And I feel like that's especially relevant in like very hustle oriented um, cultures or cities. And I feel like that applies to New York. So could you describe a bit about the coffee space in New York and how you feel like tea survives in that as well when coffee is so relevant and such a relevant component? Yeah, that's actually a great question because I I love coffee as well. I drink black coffee in the morning, like no milk or sugar. So yeah, <laughs> um, I, and I I just need that boost of energy in the morning to get me going, especially in New York, the housing culture. But I think um, it's very different how like the type of people who drink coffee are like the hustlers, you know, go getters, like get this shit down. Uh, but for the tea drinkers, you can find them like you know doing yoga and meditation practice, like mindfulness. So I think like um, in this like really well culture. And there's a lot of like mental health problems. Like, you know, that's why people start going to therapies and like, you know, practice and then go to the gym. So I think tea actually is a great way to kind of like calm you down. And I think that's really good for your mental health. I think it could be like a supplement to coffee culture, especially in the afternoon. You don't want to have another Americano at 3 p.m. or like 6 p.m. So you can switch to black tea. I think it's a great like, you know, alternative for like an afternoon pick me up. So it's not so strong on your heart and your body, but also kind of like does the job for you. So I I, I do think that like, you know, the coffee and tea culture can coexist. Uh, in the same way, like, you know, I drink black tea, uh, black coffee in the morning, uh, black tea in the afternoon. So I think um, tea does kind of like bring you, like you said, like a lot of like great health benefit, especially for improve your immune system with COVID right now. Like long tea is the best tea to improve your immune system and has more, you know, health benefit than green tea. So it's just people don't really know about it in the West. So that's where like, you know, us, all of us come in uh, to do the work and like educate people on that topic. It's so interesting that you talk about how, you know, people drink it as almost like an injection to their body, a boost of energy, because I actually just gave up coffee this past week because it was giving me a lot of uh, anxiety later in the day. And I I exercise a lot, so it wasn't really great for my uh, resting heart rate and my heart rate. So I'm actually shifting over. I was initially going to go no caffeine, but now I'm shifting over to tea because it's just so much more calm and it just keeps my heart rate lower. And obviously it tastes so good, but I definitely am moving into a phase of my life where I want more tea and I'm, you know, opting for that because, you know, it's so much better for my anxiety and my mental health. So thank you so much for sharing that. And you kind of went into this already, but could you talk about different teas that have different health benefits? 
Yeah, so there, there are like hundreds of like different type of tea, like, you know, like, um, so like, for example, India has like really great like masala chai and um, like for mm-hmm. Taiwan, uh, we are specialized in the baozhong tea and the, the oolong tea, which kind of like, um, kind of like Im- improve your immune system, but also has a lot of like autumn, um, like help you improve your like you know um heart disease and also like infl- inflammation, um and also just like it, it really depends on different type of tea. Like for example, black tea, it does have caffeine, but like it's not as strong as coffee. It's like I think it's like four times less than coffee, so it's really good for you to consume in the afternoon. Um and it also like you know kind of like improve your bone strength and like for example jasmine tea it does really because the aroma so it really brings you the calmness and like kind of like you know unwind um at night so like it really depends on the different type of tea um so each tea has like its own like health benefit yeah yeah i feel like i'm imagining right now that there should be like some radio like some radio show host that is like particularly specialized in like the qualities of tea and how they can like provide you health benefits so like you know when people call in to share like their emotional problems or their relationship problems etc they can say whatever like emotional experiences they're going through and then like the specialists will say try this tea it'll like soothe your nerves it'll calm you down Mm -hmm. or if you're like feeling very i don't know unmotivated like drink a certain kind of tea it'll like motivate you and like boost your energy and whatnot um you mentioned belgium tea which is specifically from the Taiwanese region and actually there was a type of tea that I was looking through your website I know you spe- I use specifically so jasmine green oolong as well as baojong and I personally never heard of it prior to this so could you share a bit more about the how you were able to acquire baojong because I know that it's a farm to cup uh, business of yours so could you just share more about the tea that um, listeners may not have heard of before? Yeah, so Baozhong tea it is like really rare and it's specialized in Taiwan. So it's called like unwrapped kind in Chinese. Wenshan mm. Baozhong. So Baozhong is like called the unwrapped kind in Chinese. So it's type of like oolong tea. It's between green tea and uh, oolong tea. So it's kind of like light oxidized. And um, oolong tea is a little bit bitter. So Baozhong has has like a floral and melon fragrance and um you know like this actually i'm drinking baljong right now um so it has like a lot, lot of like great like health benefit like oolong tea but i think if you like a more floral and like less bitter taste uh, people will like baljong and it's just the process is different and like you know the baljong tea the leaves is really long and it's wrapped um so like the oolong tea is kind of like a ball like it's rounded so um but that's really like the big difference um but yeah like i think a lot of like asian americans especially like um grandpa grandma really love the baljong tea because it's like very strong uh, and it's like a signature asian tea so um we found it very interesting that like a lot of european like it but for american not so much because they like more um fruity and like sweetness in the tea so uh but i think it's a really nice tea to try if you you know like want some hardcore like asian tea flavor baljong is like the go-to tea for me yeah and my grandmother actually first introduced me to baljong i go there every week and she always has tea like similar to my mom she either has baljong or chrysanthemum tea and she does it with like the leaves and stuff 
And it, it's just such a fond memory of having a hot cup of tea and sharing it with my sister and my grandmother. And I always go in the morning. So I, that that tea I just gravitate to in the mornings on other days because it just reminds me of that that time I spend with my grandmother. As Nana said previously, us two tea sells four types of tea, oolong, black, jasmine, and baozhong. So when do you recommend drinking each type of tea? Oh, yeah, great question. So um, I think black tea definitely is in the morning. And for jasmine, I think around like 6, 7 p.m. after dinner. And um, usually in the afternoon, I would recommend people to drink oolong or baozhong tea, especially after lunch. Because uh, baozhong and oolong tea, they're actually great for cleansing your palate. So especially if you have like a greasy dinner or like, you know, dim sum lunch, it's great to kind of like wash off that flavor in your mouth. Um, and also, you know, you just like kind of like pick you up. It has like a lot of like um, caffeine inside. So it's a good mellow tea for the afternoon or late afternoon. Um, and also oolong tea is actually um, famous for uh, weight loss. So especially for the ladies and, you know, it's just like a very holistic drink for you to, to you know, like drink after uh, your meal uh, or in between. So that's where I would recommend people uh, to drink each time. Yeah. And I've seen those scientific articles that have described and proven how there's like a lot of positive metabolism effects that come from drinking oolong tea. So thank you for sharing that. I would like to hear more about S2T, the company itself, and how you were able to bring this company to life. So could you share a bit more about your, I guess, what was going through your mind as you were coming up with this? Because like you shared, you were studying graphic design. So what was it like to be an Asian American, uh, a woman in the business field, trying to create this tea company in a culture that may not have accepted it as well as it would have accepted a coffee organization, for example? Yeah, I think that like, first of all, um, the reason why I started S2T is because if you go to the supermarket right now, to the tea aisle, all the tea brands are owned by non-Asian people. But tea was actually first founded in China 5,000 years ago, and it, it's like, it has a huge impact in our culture. So for me, my, my, my mission is really to, one, reclaim our culture, to build tea brand that's owned by Asian um, and selling authentic quality Asian tea. And two is really to educate people like, you know, what real tea tastes like. Because like, for example, the Lipton tea is tea dust. It's not real tea. That's why you need to add like all those like sugars and milk in there because it's like the lowest quality. But when you actually drink like the Asian loose leaf tea, that's the real tea that's the real shit so um i i really just want to kind of like right now i think it's a great time for us to kind of emerge like the asian culture and different culture into the states because we're all immigrants so like um i think that's like that's like the most important part for me um when i do like it's very interesting because we did a lot of pop-ups in new york and um San Francisco, LA. And one thing that surprised me is that a lot of people in the States never heard of Taiwan before. Um, and they, they thought it was like Thailand or something. So I have to educate them. Like, you know, Taiwan is a country that is like in the yeah, Asia. Yeah. And it, it's just a lot of education that on things that you, you just thought, like, how do you not know? 
you know. American society has always shocked me with their lack of understanding of geography. Like I, I know for a fact <laughs> <that> many, <laughs> but it's so true. Like I know for a fact many people will think uh, they won't understand like the history of Hong Kong being a SCR, a special administrative region. They probably don't even know it exists, or they would think like China, Taiwan, Hong Kong are all the same thing and things like that. So. Yeah, please continue with what you were saying, though. Yeah, no, totally, 100%. So, like, you know, me just spending a lot of time, like, educating them on the Asian culture is bigger than educating people on the tea culture. So I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm actually on a bigger mission here to, like, really kind of introduce people to the Asian culture because our goal is to become the one-stop shop for all Asian tea. So we want to import tea from China and, you know, like India, um, Japan, Korea. So we just started with Taiwan first, but it's just a very interesting, I think, um, as like, you know, I, but I think this is our mission, right? I'm Asian. So this is um, our job to, to kind of like educate people a little bit. Yeah. And going off of kind of the global brand that you want to create, how does it feel to directly interact with the Taiwanese tea farmers? Um, I, I, I had like a blessing time because I like for I never had any experience sourcing the tea before. Like I, I was a graphic designer. So um, I literally just like rent uh, a car in Taipei and then just like drove to like Taizhong, which is like, you know, where all the tea farms are. I found them on Google. I don't even know anyone. So I just, <laughs> I found out they're all like, you know, next to each other, have different tea houses because the mountain is like right there. So I just like went door to door from like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day drinking tea. And my my pitch is just like, I, I see a grandpa, I just, hey, like, grandpa, I want to import tea to U.S. Can you like help me? Like, what tea do you offer? So they're like so lovely. And they just invite me and like pour me different type of tea and like talk about their stories. And they're usually the second and third generation. Um, so they will introduce me to their grandson who is also kind of like inherited the tea farms and like you know it was just like a blessing for me it feels like utopia and a lot of the tea farmers was like oh you know you can just take my tea because I know I know you're bootstrapping so when you sell you can pay me back and I was really touched because I think like it's like we are doing this together to bring tea an Asian quality tea to the U.S. I think and you know Astro Tea is not just me it's like my team and the tea farmers everyone behind it so we're all like formed into this brand together and it was just it was the one of the most uplifting and inspiring moment in my life and it really makes me feel like oh I'm doing this for the mission so so yeah yeah, a blast yeah yeah and I feel like for tea like when I think of tea I think of community and I think of you know drinking tea with others and obviously you know I think of family as the one of the first things and that's such a beautiful thing that you guys can all unite around a mission and that mission can be tea and it can be so global and you can have that huge impact you know even if it starts in New York there's a ripple effect to each of the cups and each of everywhere the leaves go that's great yeah and um you were saying earlier how um I believe I heard the story you you, I heard you share the story before I think how this interaction you have with the Taiwanese family in the mountain areas it was an accident right oh yeah so we sourced tea from like three, four different families. And one of our gift box actually um, 
I think that was the the tea farmers, the, the incident you were talking about. So I actually got lost uh, when I was driving in the mountains because there's no signal. So I was lost like for like a long time. And I just kind of like, I saw a driveway and there's like, you know, farm's house there. So I just kind of like pulled over and walk in. But there was like only one family and they were surrounded like by mountains that, that are like 3,000 feet high. And I was like, oh, wow, this feels like utopia. Yeah, you know, like I was like, and there's like chicken on the ground and there's like duck. So I was just thinking, oh, maybe they can point me to the exit. So I just walk in, I was like, hello, is everyone here? So there's like a grandson. He is like 19 or 18 years old, I think, back then. And he come out, he said, oh, do you need help? And then um, I just told him I'm lost. And uh, he told me that he's actually a tea farmer. And so he invited me and he proved me some tea that they actually grow on the back backyard and also on the mountains and like his father was also there so I just kind of like had like a really brief lunch with them and also like you know they offered me tea to pack it to go and when I taste the tea there I was like oh my god I never tried this special like it's uh, oolong tea but infused with osmentous flour and it was like one of the best tea I ever tried so um but also I was just really touched by the farmers and the people and I was telling them you know like I want to import your tea to to the states and I think it's quality it tastes so good it's not like the Lipton tea so um like and they're like oh yes so we just made it happen and that's one of the story from like one of the product yeah yeah and I think that's such a funny coincidence because there's a legend that says that the initial, like the very first cup of tea that was made specifically in ancient China, it occurred merely because tea or um, leaves from a tree had fallen into the emperor's drink. I think this was around like 2700 BC. Maybe you've heard it before. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's such a funny thing that like you also had some similar accident occur in your journey to creating us to tea and also with the fact that these flowers those mantis flowers are growing up in the mountains i know that there are very specific benefits that come with that like how you're able to feel like a more fresh more like balanced almost even toned kind of taste because of like the cool temperatures and the like clean air and the consistent mist that's around the mountains so i think that's very like it's very intricate and very like, interesting to learn about how the different environments and habitats can have such nuanced effects on the cups of tea that you drink and I feel like it's such a waste to merely drink like Lipton and have it be like so like watered down to the poorest quality without knowing like the potential of a cup of tea you know and you also we've been talking sort of about the communities of it about interacting with tea farmers and on the note of community in 2021, you actually worked with, um, I believe it was Activist Tea House, right? To oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, S2T and Activist Tea House were working on a project to fund, raise money for victims of Asian hate crimes. So could you share a bit more about that specific project, as well as how, in general, tea culture and drinking tea can be used as a medium for advocacy and creating change in the world? Yeah, so I'm like very grateful that like that um, we have a lot of allies during that time because 2020 was George Floyd and 2021 was the Asian hate. I was marching every single year on the street and I was just thinking like when can this stop? And especially the shooting happened in Atlanta. Um, it was really bad in New York City because we're a moving target for anyone um, because we're Asian, um, but also, you know, like, 
women. But I think for us, like, um, so the Active Tea House, um, they reach out to us and we kind of, they're thinking like, oh, what can we do to help, you know, you as a brand? And we just kind of like met with the founders and we figured, and then at that time, um, there was a hate crime happening in Chinatown. I was thinking like, you know, we can just give back to this, to the family who lost the father of like three young children. So we just built a campaign and then really just, you know, donate all like 100% proceed to that family. Um, because I feel like, you know, it's very important for us to see that the words have so many allies, but also it's just like, it's constantly work that you have to put yourself out there. And we, we actually got an email from one of our customers and he was saying like, you know, you're a tea brand. Why are you so political? Why can't you just talk about tea? And then I was like, this is not political at all. This is about racism. Like, you know, get your fact straight. Um, and I'm not like, if you don't like our product, it's one story, but like, we are the people behind our product. Like, our tea is $6. It's fine if I lose you as a customer. Yeah, human rights isn't something to be politicized. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, get your fact right. Uh, and anyway, so like, it's just a lot of like constant fighting. We, as a brand, to really, because we have a lot of interns working for us and they're like, you know, Gen Z. So I don't want them to see us to feel like, oh, you know, something happened. We're not saying anything. Like, you know, our brand mission is to voice, have a voice for our community. So um, we just keep continue the fight. That's amazing. And I know during that period of time, I actually did see us 2T um, on Instagram and like campaigning for, for this event, actually. So when Nana brought it up to me, I was, I immediately recognized it. So that's so great that Us2T is participating in a wider global community discussion. So those challenges that you face as an Asian entrepreneur and a businesswoman, could you tell us more about that and what it's like to be in that space? To be honest, early on, I didn't feel anything because I never thought because I'm Asian or because I'm woman, I can't do anything. Um, my mom taught me early on. It's like, you know, you just have to go out there and fight the world. But later on, I as I go into more meetings with like, you know, investors, like buyers, I realized that, oh, I am like the only Asian women there. Like, you know, you can just tell. And I feel like, one thing that I would say that, like, I think maybe it's because of my age, I'm, like, a lot younger than most of the people that I encounter with and doing partnership with. So I do feel like there's, like, an ageist thing happening that, like, they don't take you as seriously. And um, But I negotiate hard. So, like, I think later on they were like, oh, they take you seriously because you're not just, like, a cute Asian girl you know so I think is that's something that I've been constantly thinking about but I think my message for all the other like young Asian founders or entrepreneurs or just you know young ladies out there is to just just do not think that because you're Asian or you're a woman then you can't do anything that's simply just not true because we're the majority in Asia so just you just have to own it and then like be confident and one day we'll all be equal. I think we just need to fight our way there, unfortunately, but it will happen. Yeah, and you described how initially you didn't feel this sort of imposter syndrome where you didn't feel like you had this like bamboo ceiling, quote unquote, over your head. But that makes me want to ask, how do you feel like your experience in the tea culture and the tea business has changed since you entered it versus now? Do you feel like there's been any changes in how 
prominent tea culture even is among American society? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think right now is the right timing because our community is just America in general has this like it has like awakened and to see so many issues under the surface. So for us, especially, I think the reason like, you know, Marvel movies, like, you know, Crazy Rich Asian, TCM is popping, Gua Sha is popping, acupuncture, that's all part of the Asian culture. So I think it's a great time for us to really just kind of like um, ride the wave and really just like kind of like, you know, use our platform to educate people and just also build the community. So right now I feel like it's a great timing to say that, especially after Asian hate movement happened, we we can't just be silent anymore. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maggie, for sharing uh, your story of how you built your brand Us2T and sharing all the amazing health benefits and memories connected to your brand and the tea that you sell. Could you please promote anything or send a last message? Yeah, so I think that um, just give us a try if you're ever in the States and we can create like a discount code for uh, the Asian Girl like podcast that you guys can share with the audience later, like 15% off and you can find us on us2t.com. But just a message to um, everyone who's listening, just, you know, be brave and like, you know, um, always feel free to reach out to us uh, because we have the platform and we'll try our best to help anyone who, uh, you know, want to learn about entrepreneurship or about tea, just, uh, or even just, you know, as like a female founder, if you want to start your own business, I learned a lot in the past three, four years building my own business. So I'm happy to chat with anyone um, and help all the young ladies out there. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's very valuable information because I feel like it's a very daunting thing to even contemplate going to the business world. I think a lot of Asian women feel like they have to deter themselves from even going to that field because it's just, it feels as if there's too many barriers set out to, you know, hurt them down or like push them down. So thank you so much. I feel like you really presented like the success story where you're able to pursue your passion for tea and be able to do what you love every morning you're able to wake up and sell tea and so something that you truly love that is so connected to your roots as well as be able to incorporate an aspect of like advocacy and like social justice and wellness in this work that you're doing so yeah thank you so much for being on the podcast